Want to see the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to the Francesca Luca Show. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. Hi, everyone. You are tuned in to the Francesca Luca Show. I am Francesca Luca. And in the next hour, you're going to know a little bit more than you know now about, well... I call them psychic vampires, so stay with me here. Little housekeeping, my web address is talkwithfrancesca.com. If you miss part of this show, you can hop on over to my iTunes page and listen there. And I'd love it if you would leave a review. The show is sponsored by Antico Forno in the North End, when you will only accept the absolute best in Italian food. Great service and a super fun setting. Antico Forno is your go-to spot. I know because it also happens to be my favorite, and there's parking right around the corner. So we're going to dive right in. Lots to cover in a short period of time. Will the drama ever end? The definition of narcissism is a lack of empathy for others, an inflated sense of self-importance, an intense need for attention or admiration, and a prevailing quest for control. Individuals exhibiting narcissism often manipulate or exploit the people around them, so much so that cutting ties or removing oneself from the relationship may be the only healthy solution. I am thrilled to have back with us tonight Dr. Carol McBride. She is the author of Will I Ever Be Good Enough? And we we did an interview back. It's been quite a few years now um, on the show. And she has now written yet another book, Will the Drama Ever End? Dr. McBride is an expert and pioneer on the devastating effects of narcissistic abuse and has the answer for anyone desperate for help in overcoming the damage of being raised in a family headed by a narcissistic parent. So big welcome to you, Dr. McBride. Thank you so much for joining us. So glad to have you back. Thank you, Francesca. It's good to be back. Nice to hear you. Well, you know... I. I thought about this. I, I just have so many questions. I don't know if I'm going to exhibit a little ADHD during this interview, but I guess my first question to you would be, what is the difference between someone who's just boastful, arrogant, and all about themselves and a narcissist? Yes, good question. Um, the difference is um, the narcissist, although they can be boastful, um, and arrogant and all about themselves and usually are. Um, but the difference is that true narcissists or, you know, it's a spectrum disorder, so the more traits you have, the more you can be this way. But they, uh, their behavior, because of the lack of empathy and the lack of emotional tune-in to others, they, they hurt people. It's damaging behavior where... You know, if they're parents or you're in a relationship with them or you're a sibling of them, or they, they hurt you um, because they don't know you. They don't tune into you. Um, they don't show that they care about you. So um, that's the difference. Um, boastful people who talk about themselves all the time, but if they can do empathy, you know, and tune in, who cares, you know, mm-hmm. just stay away. They don't do the damage. Right. Um, but and I guess I, I'm curious because I would think that a narcissistic person usually is, is very in tune because they, they use that sort of understanding where that 
person that they're communicating with is coming from, using like their vel- their vulnerabilities to get what they want. Am I mistaken with that thought process? Well, they might be they might be tuned in in that way, but when I talk about emotional tune-in, I'm talking about being tuned into your feelings and responding to them and having empathy for you. Are you sure that they just don't care? And they do understand well, they, or no? What is it right? So that's what I'm asking is do they so do they not care but they can feel it or they don't feel it period? What they feel mostly but they don't embrace are their own feelings. Uh. <laughs> and so that's what they care about and then they project those feelings onto other people. But do they really care to be interested in you and know how you're feeling and talk to you about you or what you've done in your life? No. So can a person be narcissistic and at the same time on occasion care? I mean, for example, I have a, a friend who's been struggling with a, a sibling for for quite a while, and you know, it's really upsetting to her, and, and she often uses that word, you know, narcissistic and then yet she was telling me how you know when she was going through some stuff in her life how her sibling was really concerned and um there for her and was and so i'm wondering can they be both can they be narcissistic and at the same time have some empathy or some caring yes but you have to think of the the narcissism as a spectrum disorder Mm -hmm, so Right. You know, it kind of depends on where you're at on that continuum. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the lower end people can still have some of the narcissistic traits, but also not be as tuned out or as bad. And then the other thing I would say about that, Francesca, is um, if it benefits them, it's kind of the key. Mm. Um, if it if it looks good on them, so it looks like they are you know, other people will see, and and they're showing some sort of caring. Oftentimes it has to do with how it reflects on them. Uh, Like the the parent who lives vicariously through the the child, and what the child does rather than is becomes sort of the key. Is that right? Right, or the child in public, you know, when they go to church or Mm. they go to other events, they might look like caring parents, but they're very different behind closed doors. Can they help themselves? Um, Depending on where they are in the continuum, high-level or personality disorder people aren't interested in helping themselves. They're not interested in therapy. Mm. They, they're not accountable, so they really don't see that they're doing anything wrong. Why is it that people who are attracted to narcissists, no matter, I mean, they, they understand the person's narcissistic, they know that, that it's, the person's never going to change, but they refuse to give up on trying to change them. For example, years ago, I I knew a woman who she was really, she did say a very funny thing. She said, I've had all the therapy in the world. I know my mother is a narcissist, but I'm telling you, if I meet a guy and he's a narcissist, right on my stamp to my forehead is jump me. (laughs) You know, it was kind of like she had this like intense sexual attraction to a any narcissistic men that came down her path. And and then she would try to rehabilitate them or change them. She was aware of it. She understood it. She had therapy around it. And she wasn't going to stop 
she wasn't going to make it any she wasn't going to stop trying what would you have to say about that well i think when you grow up with a narcissistic parent or in what i call a narcissistic family being led by a narcissistic parent mm. um you learn codependency and codependency really is about wanting to fix and change and you know the, code, the the definition of codependency is i will take care of you to the exclusion of taking care of myself Ugh. um and until they're ready have, to just drop until they can't take another minute of it and they just crack right yeah, yeah. It, yes they're mm, just exhausted exactly. and then they get resentful of course too but but um the other thing about that story uh that strikes me is we are attracted to the familiar emotional mm. until we've really worked our recovery. Mm-hmm. And the recovery for uh, recovering from being raised in a narcissistic family, as I write about in this book, is intense. And it's a lot of work. And there are a lot of con- clinicians that aren't trained in doing that specific work. What is the difference between the two books, Will I Ever Be Good Enough? and will the drama ever end? You know, they, they seem like they're sort of in the... Well, they're obviously there's some similarities, and we're talking about the same topic, but they're obviously different, and how so? Will I Ever Be Good Enough? Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers, my mm-hmm. first book. Right. Really about the mother-daughter dynamic when the mother is the narcissist. Got it, okay. Uh, will the drama ever end is about narcissistic family dynamics. And it can be a narcissistic mother or father, or it can be two narcissistic parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's the fallout from that. You know, the, I explain the dynamics of that family and then explain the effects on the children. Mm -hmm. And and then the third part of the book is my five-step recovery model to help people walk through that very specific recovery. Can people buy this book and actually sort of do it themselves with just the book? I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty heavy thing for someone to kind of work through, I would think, on their own, but I'm, I'm wondering if, if you think it's possible. The whole third section of the book is the five-step recovery program. It has a lot of journal exercises in it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, recovery things that you can do on your own. Mm-hmm. I think the value, however, of doing it with a trained therapist in this model um, is because children of narcissists are not validated as nice. they're growing up and their feelings are not heard and acknowledged. Mm-hmm. It really helps to do the recovery with a therapist who understands it because they get validation. Um, And there's so much denial in the narcissistic family system that a lot of people don't even understand what's happened to them. They just know they're depressed or anxious or hypervigilant. You know, they're not, they, they, and the having that validation from the therapist is huge. Oh, absolutely. What do you mean when you say the narcissistic family? I mean a family that is led, so one of the parents is a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And it could be both parents. 
but it's always there's there's got to be is, is it possible for neither parent to be a narcissist but there's someone in the family that was just born and became a narcissist um not likely well usually from what we know so far um narcissism is usually learned in you know through trauma in the family mm -hmm. so it is possible yes like let's say you raise a very entitled child um, and you don't teach the child accountability and you and you don't remind the child that they're not better than other people or they don't deserve better I mean you could unwittingly I suppose raise that kind of child well, I was thinking about perhaps um, an only child, or even more so a child who maybe was adopted. The parents you know, so wanted a child for so long they wanted a baby. They finally got a baby. And so this, this child is, is like put on an absolute pedestal, and I would think they would be ripe for um, developing some signs of narcissism. That's a possibility, yeah. Mm. All right, well, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I'd like to talk about the different roles played by uh, different family members in a narcissistic family. So listeners, stay with us here. Lots of important information coming up right after the short break. This is life, I'm Francesca, and you're listening to The Francesca Luca Show on 95.9 WATD. Looking for a private and comfortable experience on the South Shore to have your medical spa and wellness treatments? Well, you've found the place. Rejuve Medical Spa and Wellness's nurse practitioners succeed in combining lasers, medical skin treatments, and art to give you that rejuvenated look and feel. Rejuve's practitioners will help undo skin damage from sun exposure, rid unwanted hair, and treat the signs of aging and gravity. Are you feeling stressed, experiencing hormone changes, or weight gain? You are not alone. Rejuve Medical Spa and Wellness can help you on your journey to live well and be well. Embrace the fountain of you. Visit RejuveMA.com to begin your journey of self-care today. Who doesn't go to the hair salon to liven up their looks? Though sometimes you look worse on the way out than you did walking in. You can expect something different at Hair Design Fationa. With a super modern feel that can hardly be mistaken for suburban, a full-service hair salon, they offer cuts, color, highlighting, and formal design. Fationa is originally from Europe where she owned her own salon. With an impressive following, she won't disappoint. I know because I can tell you from my own experience, I felt transformed and you will too. So if you're looking to turn a few heads, call Fationa today at 781-964-3770. Conveniently located at 834 Washington Street in Braintree or visit her on Facebook. That number again is 781-964-3770. Call today, you'll be thrilled. I know you will. Need a reliable place for your pet? Does your dog crave extra stimulation instead of social isolation? Sign up for doggy daycare at the Dog's Den in Pembroke. With two separate yards and plenty of supervision, your dog will have a ball and tug-of-war toys and plenty of new friends. The Dog's Den also specializes in grooming. Each groomer at the Dog's Den has decades of experience and will leave your furry friend refreshed and ready for their next adventure. Schedule your grooming or daycare today at thedogsdengrooming.com. 
Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy trattoria with stucco walls and beam ceiling specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisine here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. And Terramia Ristorante also offers outdoor dining. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. For indoor or outdoor dining, the best kept secret is worth the trip. Terramia Ristorante. Call 617-523-3112 or visit terramiaristorante.com. Fearless Angel Boutique in Norwell helps women everywhere feel fearless and beautiful no matter what's going on in their lives. It's something every woman deserves and Fearless Angel clothes help make it happen. Whether you're looking for a new outfit for a night out or to really freshen up your wardrobe, Fearless Angel Boutique has the selection and quality to send you home in style. Sign up online at fearlessangelboutique.com to receive 10% off your first order. Fearless Angel Boutique open Wednesday through Saturday 10 to 4 p.m. at 412 Washington Street in Norwell. This is life, don't miss it. Now, for more of the Francesca Luca Show on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back. And I, let me reintroduce my guest, Dr. Carol McBride. We are discussing narcissism. What happened? What's up? Oh, okay. We are discussing narcissism and her newest book, Will the Drama Ever End? Welcome back, Dr. McBride. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, are there different, are, are the roles played in a, a narcissistic family different with children? Like one child has one role, another has another role? Because, you know, I would just, because sometimes when you see that kind of thing going on, you. There, People can all, kids can all be um, brought up in the same family and yet wildly different, different um, sort of, yeah, roles, I guess I would call them. Yes. What we commonly see with what I call the narcissistic family, again, led by either one or two narcissistic parents, um, it's similar to the roles of the alcoholic family. Um, without the mascot, which I'll explain in a minute. But uh, the most common is you have the one narcissistic parent and then you have the enabler parent who just revolves around the narcissist and, you know, makes excuses for them and it always supports them. So all of the attention is on the narcissist. The enabler's attention is on the narcissist. And so the children's needs get unmet, basically. And then we often see the scapegoat child. That would be the child that is uh, picked on the most, bullied the most. Sometimes the whole family can scapegoat the scapegoat child because that's what the parents do. And then we see the lost child who is the more ignored child, although all of them, I would say, are emotionally ignored, but uh, the most ignored the most quiet, um, and then we see the golden child who is the fit more the favored child and gets the most attention and most um, advantages of, <laughs> of the upbringing. 
and we don't see like at least I haven't seen I should say what what, because these are similar to the alcoholic family um, but the alcoholic family also has the mascot the clown the child that you know tries to lift the tension by being funny and making jokes and and my theory on that is that we don't see that so much in the narcissistic family because it would be too threatening to the narcissist for that child to get so much attention. Uh, yeah, I would, I would think so. Is, I, you know, when you mentioned the, the favorite child, I think what, the first thing that I, I thought of is, doesn't that child, though, know that there's still something innately wrong? You know what I mean? Like even, you know, people who, children of different roles, I would think some more than others, um, you know, are affected. But overall, I mean, they all are, you know, like they all, the, because the, the yes. perfect child has to be perfect, right? Yes. The, the one yes. who, who gets the, you know, the most attention as the, the revered one also has to, you know, make everything right all the time. That's a lot of work. It is. Right. And a lot of people would think that, you know, gee, I'd like to be the golden child. <laughs> but they often grow up with, yes, knowing there was something wrong, knowing that was wrong. And it also causes them perfectionism later in life as well. And the, the other thing I think it's important to mention, Francesca, is these roles can be changed at times because it all depends on the projection of the narcissistic parent. So some may be the scapegoat and later become, you know, the favored or the golden child or the lost child. So they can they can be switched around too because the the main mantra of the narcissistic family is the parental needs take precedence over the children's needs. Seems like so the children kind of are more depends. objects than than people, you know, yes. right? Yes, so it sort of depends on, you know, what's going on inside the narcissist. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about something that, you know, sort of the, the um, in your book, you say familiar, uh, familiar bonds are suspect. So that siblings who are supportive of each, of each other are discouraged. And I'm wondering um, why. Yeah, that's a good question. Because it's really sad. Um, as I talk to clients and interview people for my research, it's very sad that oftentimes when they become adults, the siblings are not close. Mm. And they don't have the, those bonds with each other. And it's because the narcissist in the family has to have the attention. And so they're threatened by, you know, if, if two members of the family get closer or pay more attention to each other. And then I would think that would trickle down to the children, too, that they'd also start to be jealous of one another. Well, and they're, they're compared. They're, they're taught. They're not taught, like, to be loving and supportive and encouraging for each other. They're taught to be competitive, uh, non-trusting. Mm. Uh, jealousy can be a big factor. So, um, yes. It's, it's one of the additional grief areas we have to work on in therapy for people. Like once they work on their recovery with their narcissistic parent, 
they oftentimes have to go back and work the recovery on their relationships with the other members of the family. Oh, boy, that's a lot of work. Talk about a lifetime. Um, there are clearly a cast of characters, which is also the name of one of your chapters. So I guess my question would be is how is it that some family members seem to be literally unscathed by the drama while others are still picking up the pieces of the upbringing years later? I mean, and some people, some of them never get over it. Yeah, and I think, I think there's such a, well, there's a couple things. There, there's such a huge denial factor that is taught mm. in the nurse's family because, you know, we, the narcissistic family wants to put on the perfect image of the perfect family, right? It's all about image. So the denial factor is very big, and some people just don't ever really understand it. They kind of know deep down that something was wrong, but they don't understand it. And then the other thing is that there's, there's such a desire in all people, I think, um, to want to have that loving family, that they just can't accept it. They can't admit it, that it wasn't that way. And so they just they keep hanging on to that wishing and hoping that, you know, one day it will be better, and, of course, it never is. And um, it's, it's that, that deep desire to want a loving family. Well, I mean, because we're all kind of, you know, we all want to be part of the tribe, don't we, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, every child should have at least one person in their life who is irrationally crazy about them. <laughs> and <laughs> that should be the parent, right? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Um, and what about, um, I'm curious what you think about this is like the, the parent or it could be, again, a sibling, I guess, who sets off, you know, attention, it sets off bombs to get attention that undermine connections because there's that uh, jealousy or, or fear of being left out. Is that, is, is that kind of a common thing? It seems Very. to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, I'd love to talk about um, some time talking about triangulating because I think that's a, a really big one, but we do need to take another short break. So we'll marinate on that, listeners, and when we come back, we will have more. This is Life, Don't Miss It. More of the Francesca Luca Show coming right up on 95.9 WATD. HM Auto Detailing handles entire fleets of vehicles for local businesses, and they're ready to make your car, truck, or SUV shine like new. Do you stare at that spill from when your coffee got away? Are you sad about the bag of groceries that toppled and stained? Maybe the kid's last food fight left war wounds in your vehicle. Or it just might be time for a good cleaning. Get a fresh start with HM Auto Detailing. Same-day service, over 10 years' experience, they even detail boats and aircraft. Call HM Auto Detailing today, 781-738-3301, 781-738-3301. HM Auto Detailing, 156 Union Street in Rockland. 
plan a wonderful evening in Boston's North End, highlighted by one of the neighborhood's best-kept secrets, Antico Forno. Renowned as one of the world's most authentic Italian restaurants, Antico Forno provides you with an unforgettable dining experience featuring world-class traditional Italian dishes cooked in their beautiful brick oven. Outdoor dining is now available too. Whether seated inside or enjoying an evening under the stars, when you eat at Antico Forno, you feel like part of the family. Antico Forno is open seven days a week. See their menu and make your reservation online at AnticoFornoBoston.com. Fearless Angel Boutique in Norwell helps women everywhere feel fearless and beautiful, no matter what's going on in their lives. It's something every woman deserves, and Fearless Angel clothes help make it happen. Whether you're looking for a new outfit for a night out or to really freshen up your wardrobe, Fearless Angel Boutique has the selection and quality to send you home in style. Sign up online at fearlessangelboutique.com to receive 10% off your first order. Fearless Angel Boutique, open Wednesday through Saturday, 10 to 4 p.m. at 412 Washington Street in Norwell. Your pets deserve the best you can give them. Dr. Judy Morgan from Naturally Healthy Pets can help. Between the books she's written, the courses she offers, and her hundreds of radio and television appearances, she has changed the lives of millions of pet owners. In fact, her goal is to change the lives of over 10 million pets by teaching pet owners worldwide how to minimize the use of chemicals, vaccinations, and poor quality processed food while using natural healing therapies. Her company, Naturally Healthy Pets, provides over 500 high-quality products to enrich the lives of animals. Let Dr. Judy Morgan help you navigate the world of holistic pet care. Begin your journey by visiting drjudymorgan.com. I'm Francesca. You're listening to The Francesca Lucas Show on 95.9 WATD. And we are back, and I'm speaking with Dr. Carol McBride, who is the author of Will I Ever Be Good Enough? and her newest book, Will the Drama Ever End? So, Dr. McBride, I was thinking that, you know, if a little, we talked a little bit about how the uh, people in the family, you know, they, they, they want to keep making it right, and it never changes. Do you ever advise your clients to not be in contact with their family? I mean, if it doesn't change and you, you're working on yourself and you're trying to have a, a healthy relationship and the dysfunction is just constantly in your face, what do you recommend? <coughs> Excuse me. What I recommend with that is when you begin your recovery, you may want to do a temporary separation so you're not getting triggered by mm. the dynamic in the family, um, you know, while you're getting through the, the first couple steps, you know, where, where you're really focusing on the trauma. Um, but I tell people not to make the contact decision until step four, until they've worked a lot of the recovery, because sometimes it changes. Um, now, there's some very toxic, abusive situations that people have to choose no contact or they just can't recover. So that's, that for those people, it's a no-brainer. But a lot of times people get to step four. They've really done the recovery work. They, they understand it. They've processed trauma. Um, then sometimes they're able to do what I call civil connect. And civil connect still is not a close, loving, emotional connection. It's a superficial connection. But you go in with your eyes wide open. You know you're not going to have you know, a, a close emotional connection. It'll be superficial. It'll be 
How's the weather? What did you have for dinner? What What are you doing? Yawn. <laughs> right? I mean, oh, gosh. And I, I would think that having had all that trauma that, you know, a holiday comes and you become that five-year-old kid again. I don't know. But, you know, maybe with the, maybe with, all the uh, healing, maybe, and the person becomes so evolved that maybe it, it actually can be different. Well, it it's interesting because people who really do the work, mm-hmm. and I've seen this over and over, they learn how to set really good boundaries. They um, walk away if the abuse happens. Um, and they trust themselves more to not get triggered and go into a collapse or, um, you know, they just trust their own ability to be able to handle the situation appropriately. Right. So before the break, I asked you if we could spend some time talking about triangulating because, I mean, I think that, you know, even in the, even in functional families, there's some of that that goes on. And, and you know, I think part of that is that people... People talk about one another, like I I had a guy on the show years ago who talked about gossip being actually a good thing. It keeps people connected. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that, but, but I I mean, I think that, you know, that that's part of, to some degree, not if it's really bad gossip, but, you know, sharing of what's happening. So I think that's sort of part of human nature. Wouldn't you say so? I think in general, if it's a positive thing, um... Yes, but the the whole notion of triangulation in the narcissistic family is they were, were taught not to directly communicate. Mm, um, right. So because, you know, it, it avoids, if you directly communicate, you have to deal with feelings. And you have to deal with the other person's feelings. So oftentimes what you'll see in the narcissistic family is, Sister's mad at brother really should confront brother directly and work it out. But instead of doing that, talks to her sister and complains about the brother. And then eventually the message might get back to the brother, (laughs) which causes even more problems. Because it's always, it's always, you know, repeated a little bit differently as well. Yes, because it might have that person's take put into it as well. You know, it's kind of like the old childhood game of telephone, you right. know, remember of that? Where yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Things can get distorted, you know, when it goes through the triangle. Right. So is that actually just what triangulation is? One person talks to another person about a problem, rather. Is it really just kind of that simple, or is there more to it? No, that's pretty much what it is. And mm-hmm. in recovery, people learn how not to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They learn to take themselves out of the middle, you know, and say, you know, I really, I, I see you have a problem with our brother. Um, I, I think you need to talk directly to them. I, I don't think I should be in the middle of this. Right. How do you feel about friends talking to fr- friends about someone in their family? A friend talking to a friend about someone in their own family can be just a venting. It can be needing support. Exactly, yeah. Um, That would be different. Right, right. So uh, managing the rest of the nest. Um, If there's a parent who is narcissistic, 
I don't know how the children cannot all have some bit of it in them. I mean, after all, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, that's a really interesting um, topic because people often assume that if you grew up with a narcissistic parent or in a narcissistic family, you'll be a narcissist, which isn't true at all. I mean, I would say 95% of the people I've worked with and interviewed are not narcissists. They're victims of narcissists. Um, Now, can you learn some bad traits in those families that you may want to work on in your own recovery? Yes. Um, and so, but but you want to work on them. You're accountable, you know, and, and that's different. All right. What's the most toxic poison in the narcissist's arsenal, would you say? The lack of empathy. And is it something that a, a narcissist can learn Empathy in a narcissist is very hard to teach because they can act like they get it. They can repeat back what you're trying to teach them. But because they're not, narcissists are not tuned into their own feelings, it's very hard for them to learn to tune into others. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, Mm. So empathy is a hard thing to teach. Mm-hmm. In, now, in other people who are just, you know, mm-hmm. aren't narcissists, but just haven't had a lot of training, they learn it and can do it. So a narcissist is never accountable, right, obviously. So why would anybody bother to be straight with them? Like, example, you've hurt me deeply, rather than just call them on their game, you know, let them know you've, you've got their number. Well, I, I never advise my clients to directly confront a narcissistic parent and say, here's how you've hurt me, here's how you've harmed me, these are the effects on me, because it never goes well. I mean, it turns into the narcissist gaslighting them, saying, no, that didn't happen, I didn't do that, um, they're never accountable. So, and it just blows things up. It makes things worse. So I always tell people this recovery is an inside job. Like, Mm. you have to work on this internally, so we are going to handle it differently um, and and healthier for ourselves. But, yeah, a direct confrontation with that parent, uh, I've never seen it work. Hmm. Um, Gaslighting. Could you give us a description of what that is? That's kind of been, that's kind of a newish thing, right? In the past couple of years, it seems that it's, you hear it much more. Gaslighting is basically just, um, you know your reality, you express your reality, and the person who gaslights you tells you it didn't happen. Yeah, or you're crazy, you're, like, or you're, you're too sensitive, right? Isn't that a big one? too sensitive, you're crazy, you, I don't know where you got that, that didn't happen. Mm. Um, it's, uh, yes, and it, and it, what it does is just distorts. Even more so, yeah. Person's sense of, their own sense of reality. 
Right, right. Are, are sensitive, the more sensitive children, maybe like the artist or the musician or, you know, just the more sensitive kid, is that child more affected than, you know, that's got more sensitivity in their DNA than, than one of the children that maybe are not? I would say yes, because highly sensitive people um, tend to absorb trauma more. Mm-hmm. Absorb other people's feelings more. Right, right. So uh, let's just get practical here. What can those affected by narcissists, whether parents or others, do to move beyond the trauma of it all? And b- before you answer that question, we're going to take a break because I know that's a, a long answer. So, listeners, stay with us here. We will be right back. This is This is the Francesca Luca Show. I'm Francesca. We'll talk more in just a bit on 95.9 WATD. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy trattoria with stucco walls and beam ceiling specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisine here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. And Terramia Ristorante also offers outdoor dining. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. For indoor or outdoor dining, the best kept secret is worth the trip. Terramia Ristorante. Call 617-523-3112 or visit terramiaristorante.com. Who doesn't go to the hair salon to liven up their looks? Though sometimes you look worse on the way out than you did walking in. You can expect something different at Hair Design Fationa. With a super modern feel that can hardly be mistaken for suburban, a full-service hair salon, they offer cuts, color, highlighting, and formal design. Fationa is originally from Europe where she owned her own salon. With an impressive following, she won't disappoint. I know because I can tell you from my own experience, I felt transformed and you will too. So if you're looking to turn a few heads, call Fationa today at 781-964-3770. Conveniently located at 834 Washington Street in Braintree or visit her on Facebook. That number again is 781-964-3770. Call today, you'll be thrilled. I know you will. Need a reliable place for your pet? Does your dog crave extra stimulation instead of social isolation? Sign up for doggy daycare at the Dog's Den in Pembroke. With two separate yards and plenty of supervision, your dog will have a ball and tug-of-war toys and plenty of new friends. The Dog's Den also specializes in grooming. Each groomer at the Dog's Den has decades of experience and will leave your furry friend refreshed and ready for their next adventure. Schedule your grooming or daycare today at thedogsdengrooming.com. Looking for a private and comfortable experience on the South Shore to have your medical spa and wellness treatments? Well, you've found the place. Rejuve Medical Spa and Wellness's nurse practitioners succeed in combining lasers, medical skin treatments, and art to give you that rejuvenated look and feel. Rejuve's practitioners will help undo skin damage from sun exposure, rid unwanted hair, 
and treat the signs of aging and gravity. Are you feeling stressed, experiencing hormone changes, or weight gain? You are not alone. Rejuve Medical Spa and Wellness can help you on your journey to live well and be well. Embrace the fountain of youth. Visit rejuvema.com to begin your journey of self-care today. to the Francesca Luca show. The talk continues on 959 WATD. Will the drama ever end? That is the name of Dr. Carol McBride's newest book on navigating the complexities of dealing with a narcissistic parent. Uh, Dr. McBride, I, I don't think a lot of people really understand the injury done to those who have been victims of narcissism. Even family members, you know, they don't even. There are many who won't even think about looking at the dynamic. So I know you have a recovery program, but those who are affected by narcissists, can you give you know a couple of tips, um, you know, to 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 people who may be suffering in this kind of a dynamic, um, you know, something that you might suggest. Obviously, reading your book, doing the recovery program, but, you know, they're just like little tidbits here and there that you might be able to share with our listening audience tonight. Well, I'm, I'm a real believer in the five-step recovery model that I talk about in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, just because I've used it, so you know, on so many clients and it's been successful, and mm-hmm. I, mean, I think the first thing is you have to come out of denial and you have to accept. Mm-hmm. And accepting means that you're accepting that you have a parent that has a disorder. Um, and then you, you have to work through the trauma. You know, people say, get over it already. The past is the past. Right, right. It doesn't work that way. That trauma is stuck in you. And it's really important to process that trauma, um, which, which means feeling it not just telling somebody about it, but really feeling the harm that was done to the wounded child within you and, and, and learn to empathize uh, with that inner child. And then um, once you get that far, um, because adult children of narcissists don't go through the normal individuation process, um, then they have to work on individuating and separating themselves so that they see themselves as a separate entity from that dysfunctional system they grew up in. And it's sometimes those, those kids move out of state as a way of, you know, kind of separating, but they never really do, do they, if they haven't done the work? Yeah, it's not geography distancing. It's psychologically Of course, of course. And then, and then the next step is really working on your own sense of self. Mm, um, right. Which when is you a, grow up yeah. in a narcissistic family, you don't get to be your authentic self. You are required to, you know, follow the mold of what's expected in the family. So then in step three, we work on, you know, becoming your own authentic self. Mm-hmm. And then after that, in step four, we work on learning to set boundaries and making decisions about contact. Are we going to go no contact? Are we going to do civil connect? How are we going to handle this? Um, and we work on 
letting go. It's kind of a different kind of forgiveness, but it's an internal letting go. Do you do and workshops then, with the with this recovery program? Do I do workshops? Mm. Just curious. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I didn't understand your question. Yeah, and I was just curious if you do, you know, workshops or online classes or anything like that to to help those, in, in, you know, that maybe they can't find a therapist in their area that really specializes in this. And, we, yes. you know, you're the expert, in it, and I was just wondering if you do anything like that. We used to do, and we haven't done any since the pandemic. Mm. We may go back to it, but we used to do weekend retreats. Okay. In Denver, that that was mostly for um, daughters of narcissistic mothers. If we go back to doing retreats um, in Colorado, we would be adding the men, you know, who are affected. Because now this book, of course, talks about men and women affected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I do have two online virtual workshops. One is for daughters. Um, and the other is for training therapists. You're very busy. Because <laughs> there's a lot of crazy making out there, and I'm curious, just a little off the, the track here, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I'm wondering why are mean people so powerful? Just as a sort of a side note or a side thought. Well, I think mean people are powerful because... Because they don't care. <laughs> well... They're projecting their own stuff. You know, they're projecting their own self-loathing. Ah, interesting self-loathing, yeah. Mm. Right, right, yeah. Um, in the, the um, some of the damaging things I, I think, uh, I, I'm curious about your thoughts on this, about um, people who have grown up in this kind of environment and, and them not having the empathy, not trusting themselves... Are these, I mean, do these people have trouble making decisions, rechecking with others, you know, constantly, should I do this, should I do that, what do you think of this, what do you think of that, you know, sort of, um, you know, being self-conscious of making the wrong decision is one thing, being paranoid is quite another, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yes, I think one of the most damaging aspects of growing up in a narcissistic family is People grow up with what I call crippling self-doubt. Um, and they've internalized so many negative messages right. that are just kind of burned in the brain psyche, you know, and they're yeah. hard to get rid of. And yeah. so yeah. if they have this crippling self-doubt and they also have the internalized messages of, you know, I try and try and try, but I'm never good enough right. or I'll never be good enough. Ugh. It's also sad. You know, um, and, and the, so they, they become awkward, right? Socially awkward. And these behaviors just reiterate to that person, victimize that they're not okay because they're, they're having a harder time with relationships. Would you say that's an accurate assessment of what occurs? Yes. I, I wouldn't say that all adult children are socially awkward, though. Um, but I would say that because of the lack of trust that they learned in their inconsistent, unpredictable family environment, right. that it's more difficult for them to build, you know, trusting relationships. And then we also have the issue of 
you know, being attracted to narcissists if we haven't worked recovery. Right. You know, that, like we talked about before, attracted to the familiar dynamic, but not realizing it. All right. Well, Dr. Carol McBride, it has been an absolute pleasure this evening having you on the show. And I assume that our listeners can get your book on Amazon, anywhere, Barnes & Nobles, all the big places, right? Yes, at, okay. at their local bookstores and um, book retailers that they know and Amazon, yes. And your web address is? www.willieverbegoodenough.com. And listeners, just if you're looking up Dr. Carol McBride, it is K-A-R-Y-L. That's how you spell Carol. So anyway, Dr. McBride, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being on the show tonight. Thank you for having me, Francesca. It's good to talk to you. Okay, we've got to wrap things up and say good night. I hope you learned a whole lot from the show tonight. If you missed part of the show, you can mosey on over to my iTunes page and listen there. See you next week, same time, same place. Make it a great week. What if you took your time to really soak it?